Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet Oncology podcast. Richard Lane here. This month we're going to be discussing one study which turns into two papers concerning MEK inhibition, M-E-K. This could be an important area of future research and in treatment for many cancers. So to find out more, earlier I spoke to Dr. Jeffrey Infante from the Sarah Cannon Research Institute in Nashville, Tennessee in the United States. Dr. Infante, just for background, tell us what we know about MEK inhibition and have previous studies about it produced rather mixed results. Targeting MEK has always been an important way that we thought we could help patients with cancer. MEK sits directly downstream of RAS and RAF in the signaling pathways. And since RAS is such a, a dominant oncogene in multiple tumors, including pancreas, lung, colon, and sometimes melanoma, and RAF is also a, a, a driving oncogene in melanoma and papillary thyroid and other cancers, the feeling was that if you could target MEK, that you could help a broad range of, of tumor types. The first MEK inhibitor is actually dosed in early 2000, so it's taken 10 years or, or more to get to the point where we are. There was a compound CI-1040. Unfortunately, it didn't have a good solubility and, and had rapid clearance, so it didn't make it further into testing. Uh, there were two second-generation compounds, PD-0325901 and AZD-6244, uh, which have completed phase one testing. Uh, one of them was withdrawn from toxicity, and the other one also had toxicity or defined the toxicity profile associated with MEK but didn't have activity. And I think the two compounds prior highlight the trouble with targeting uh, MEK in cancer patients is that it has a very narrow therapeutic index. And the toxicity profile associated with the class of drugs limits the ability to get to effective exposures. Fortunately, in our study, I think uh, with the properties of, of trametinib that this drug may be able to overcome and do a better job of overcoming that therapeutic index. Tell us the aim of the current studies because we're looking at MEK in context with solid tumors and also with melanoma, is that right? That's right. So this was a, a first time in a man study. It was a three-part study uh, where it took all comer solid tumor patients for an initial escalation to try to find uh, the maximum tolerated dose, and then to also uh, really tease out the recommended phase two dose moving forward. So the first part of the study was a dose escalation with all-comer uh, solid tumor patients, had a variety of patients that were enrolled. Uh, the second part of the study moved into uh, four expansion cohorts into tumors that were thought to be driven by abnormalities in RAS and RAF. Uh, so the, those four cohorts were melanoma, uh, pancreatic cancer, non-small cell lung cancer, and colorectal cancer. We did do uh, an extensive expansion in melanoma because at the time we had learned about the uh, importance of, of BRAF mutations and BRAF testing was coming out, so we were able to expand in both BRAF mutant and BRAF wild type patients as a part of the trial. The third part was to look at biologically active dose ranges to really try to prove that as we were able to increase the dose that we could uh, really inhibit the target in tumor biopsies. Thank you very much. And do go on and tell us the main results, what these studies showed. The first part was an escalation to try to find the maximum tolerated dose. I will say we spent a lot of time really working hard to make sure we did this correctly. As I had said earlier about the trouble with targeting MEK and the side effects that arise as you start to get to effective exposures in the blood. We looked at 12 different dose levels. The toxicity that we saw was consistent with the class effects of MEK inhibition that were seen with the previous compounds, rash, is very common. It's acne form-like, uh, some diarrhea. Usually with both those, you can manage them. You don't have to change the dose for 
can get some fatigue and some edema. One of the interesting things associated with MEK inhibition is ocular toxicity. This had been seen with uh, one of the previous compounds by Pfizer. One of the ocular toxicities is a retinal vein occlusion that has been seen before, and we did see one of those events uh, during our study. But the most common thing that people will complain of with a MEK inhibitor occasionally is blurry vision. And in this study, we identified that as a, a what happens is they get a little bit of fluid behind the retina and uh, almost forms a bubble there, and uh, we call it central serous retinopathy or chorioretinopathy. And in the study, we're able to define that uh, as a class effect of MEC. So, uh, and that's probably what the majority of the visual, visual symptoms that are happening to patients are. We did go through 12, 12 dose levels and finally came up with our maximum tolerated dose, which was 3 milligrams on a daily continuous dosing schedule. Throughout the study, we were able to recognize that people weren't able to stay on that dose for long periods of time so that they ended up having to be dose reduced to some of the toxicities I mentioned before. So based on the tolerability and the PK exposures that we ended up seeing as a part of the pharmacokinetics, and the pharmacodynamic work we had done with tumor biopsies, we're able to declare the recommended dose moving forward into phase two and three studies as two milligrams on a daily basis. I think one of the interesting things about tremetinib is, it, is its pharmacokinetic properties. In addition to being dose proportional and having very you know, low interpatient variability for an oral compound, uh, what, what may separate it somewhat from other MEK inhibitors is has a low peak to trough ratio on the pharmacokinetics. You know, I think that's important because some of these toxicities may be driven by maximum concentration. So by not cycling between the uh, high peak and the low trough, they may be able to keep exposures a little more flat and limit some of the toxicity so we may be able to get to exposures that are more effective. I think clinically it is the most effective MEK inhibitor that's been published to date. What we were able to, to see uh, throughout a broad range of uh, patients studied, kind of break it down by tumor types, but melanoma is clearly, uh, tremetinib is clearly an active compound, particularly in BRAF mutant uh, melanoma. We were able to study 40 patients that had BRAF mutant melanoma that had never had a, a prior BRAF inhibitor, and we had 10 partial responses and two complete responses. So a response rate around 40%, and many of these were patients that stayed on for, for many, many months. In fact, we have one patient here that's still on trial from the initial escalation over uh, two and a half years ago. What are the implications from these results for solid tumors, first of all, because the melanoma results, as you've just alluded to, are slightly different, aren't they? I think for BRAF mutant melanoma, this will clearly have a role, but it, you know, we did see some other uh, signals of activity in other tumor types, particularly in BRAF wild-type melanoma. Uh, we had uh, a few patients that responded with uh, confirmed partial responses that were also durable, and similar for pancreas and uh, pancreas cancer and non-small cell lung cancer. Those are tumors that have been known to be driven by RAS or RAF mutations, but may have other factors that are contributing to their malignant phenotype. So these are tumor types where monotherapy may not be the best option, but uh, maybe combination strategies moving forward where tremetinib could have an impact in multiple tumor types beyond BRAF mutant uh, melanoma. So what next? Obviously, we're looking at phase one, two, safety, tolerability here. Clearly, there must be a, a clear research program ahead to, to get MEK inhibitors tested at phase three. Are we at that stage now? As a monotherapy, the tremetinib was recently presented at ASCO in a phase three trial showing that it did improve overall survival, 
despite a crossover randomized compared to standard chemotherapy in the first or second line uh, setting with hazard ratios in the 0.5 range. So it definitely was highly active in the phase three setting uh, for patients with BRAF mutant melanoma. An interesting strategy going forward is the combinations uh, of MEK with other therapies. And even within the same RAS-RAF-MEK pathway, one of the most promising combinations is a BRAF inhibitor with a MEK inhibitor, uh, which, which will really allow you know, profound suppression of the pathway and also develop some of the resistance that can develop through reactivation of MEK following monotherapy with a BRAF inhibitor. So I think that, that's a, a really important strategy and is playing out in the clinic. MEK inhibitors are being looked at in combination uh, with other pathways uh, that are important in cancer, such as the PI3 kinase AKT mTOR pathway, and are being extensively studied there in earlier clinical trials. MEK in combination with chemotherapy, there's early results suggesting with uh, in patients with non-small cell lung cancer with docetaxel that uh, there may be uh, synergistic effects in the clinic, and studies ongoing in uh, pancreas cancer also with chemotherapy. So I, I think it has a chance that it may have a broader implication for patients that are suffering uh, from cancer besides the BRAF mutant melanoma, but hopefully affect multiple tumor types. It's clearly a very interesting, potentially exciting area of inquiry, of, of research. But in the meantime, Dr. Jeffrey Infante on the line from Nashville in Tennessee in the United States. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Oncology. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. Many thanks to Jeffrey Infante and to you all for listening. See you next time.